of all the virtues that we can practice in the Christian life, charity is the supreme virtue. Charity, love is the supreme virtue. If we have all the other virtues, but do not have charity, do not have love, it means nothing. You can prophesy about the future. You can speak in tongues. You can have the wisdom of Solomon. You can have knowledge of all the mysteries, understanding of the scriptures. But if you do not have love, it means nothing. It means nothing. Love is the supreme virtue. Love keeps all the virtues together. And all the virtues are directed toward love. And so there's always two kinds of love. There's what we call the theological virtue of love, love of God. So that's what theological virtue means. It means theos. Theos in Greek means God. So it's directed toward God. So we need to love God with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and spirit. And then second is just like it. Love our neighbor as ourself. We need to love our neighbor as ourself. Love of God and love of neighbor. And so we can't say, well, I love God, but I hate my neighbor. I can't stand her. I can't stand him. But I love God. No. It's love God and love your neighbor. It's both. It's both. But you can't, but you can do the reverse. Oh, I love my neighbor. I do good works. But you never go to church. You never serve God. Don't do anything for the Lord. See, and that's false. Because then you're saying, I love my neighbor, but I do not love God. Both must go hand in hand. Love of God and love of neighbor. St. Vincent de Paul's supreme example, all the saints, supreme example of love of God, love of neighbor. St. Vincent de Paul was, he, he was going around, he was taking care of the poor, the sick. He had, he had so many people come to him that he had to form a religious community. He formed two religious communities, the Vincentians and the Daughters of Charity to help him help the poor. There are stories of creditors. St. Vincent de Paul, at one point, in his life, was afraid to go outside because he owed so much money to the creditors, to the banks, because he was borrowing money to take care of the poor. That's actually something maybe good to have, that you're in debt because you gave it all to the poor. And the creditors were coming after him because he owed so much money to the creditors because he was just using it all for the poor. And even at the end of his life, he, even though he gave to so many thousands of people, he still thought that he could do more for the poor. That if only he had a little bit more time to give to give to this person, to meet the needs of this person. The needs were overwhelming, were beyond his human capability and beyond his time on earth, what he could do. And that's why we have like the St. Vincent de Paul Society that continues his works of mercy, his works of charity to the poor. So that's a good example of charity. Now we come to the gospel today. Okay, now we come to the God. So we always need to present maybe a good example and a bad example. Also, you need to see both. So Jesus, 
there, there's a turn in the gospel of Luke that happens. And the turn in the gospel, this must be in the third year of Jesus' mission. Because Jesus went to Jerusalem many times in his life, probably every year for the pilgrimage feasts in his life. And his last three years of his life, life his three-year journey, he would have went to Jerusalem for the different feasts, for like Passover and the Feast of Booths. He, he would have went there as a devout Jew. But this time, his journey to Jerusalem is different. It must be in the last year of his life. Because it says, when the days for Jesus to be taken up were fulfilled. What does that mean? Taken up. What does that mean, taken up? It could, it could mean maybe two different symbols. Taken up, taken up from above this earth on the cross. He's taken up on the cross so that he can fulfill his mission here on earth, which is the redemption of humanity, which is given mercy to all the sons and daughters of God from the time of Adam all the way up until the last person on earth. So that, that could be his taking up. But his taking up could also mean not only the taking up from the cross, but Jesus' ascension in which he's taken up into heaven and he unlocks the gates of heaven for the saints. And the saints now go into heaven with Jesus. Which one is it? I don't know. Ask God. Ask God after this life. It might be both. It might be the cross. It might be the ascension. It might be both. It might be both. But there's a taking up of Jesus from this earth, in which he's going to fulfill his mission, especially on the cross, in which he's going to say, it is accomplished, or it is fulfilled. I fulfilled everything that the Father has given me. Then... It says, he resolutely, I love the adjectives here, or the adverbs. He resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. He resolutely determines to journey to Jerusalem. Why is he resolutely determining to journey to Jerusalem? What awaits Jesus in Jerusalem? the passion, the cross, his rejection, suffering, sacrifice. He's going to sacrifice his very life for humanity. He's going to be rejected. He's going to go to the passion. And it's like he's running to his passion. He's determined to go to suffering. Is that different for most of us? How many of us run away from suffering? We run away when God calls us to suffer. No, 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 no. I, I'd rather have an easy life. But Jesus, he, he resolutely determines to go to Jerusalem. He wants to suffer. I, I love what Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said. He said, Jesus was the only person who came to earth to die, not to live but to die and to give his life as a ransom for the many. He comes to die, but not for himself. He comes to die for others. He comes to sacrifice his whole self. 
How many of us have that kind of love where we're willing to sacrifice our lives for the love of other people? Sacrifice our lives for, our, for sinners. Sacrifice our lives for enemies. How many of us have that supreme charity and love in our hearts of willing to give our lives for the love of another person? That was Jesus. Resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. Just that, that statement says a lot about the loving heart of Jesus Christ, his most sacred heart of how much he loves us. And then as they're journeying, okay, and when they're journeying, they're always going, they're always ascending up to Jerusalem. So you always go up to Jerusalem. And so they go through a Samaritan village. And the Samaritans and Jews were at odds. They were enemies. And he enters the Samaritan village, and they do not welcome Jesus, do not want him to come into their village because his destination was Jerusalem, because the Samaritans looked down upon Jerusalem. They did not see Jerusalem as the capital, as the spiritual center. They had, they had another place that was Bethel that was another spiritual center. And so they did not welcome Jesus. They rejected Jesus, as many people do today. People say, I don't want Jesus in my life. Don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want to go to church. And so people do not welcome Jesus in their hearts, in their lives. Okay? Now, what is the disciples' reaction? Think about this. This is the thing not to do. James and John... They see this, they see the rejection of Jesus, and immediately they're angry. They're angry at the Samaritans. And they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them, the wrath of God? We want you to consume them, wipe them out from the face of the earth for rejecting you. What does Jesus do? Jesus turns and he rebukes them. And then he journeys to another village. You see that James and John, this is before Pentecost. And so James and John, there's still a humanness in James and John. They're zealous for the, for the love of God, but they still have this anger in their hearts against their neighbor, against their enemies. And so when they see the rejection of Jesus, immediately they want to condemn them. They want to sentence them to the fires of hell. They want the wrath of God to come upon them. Sound familiar? I receive a lot of emails. Wrath of God, come upon those sinners. How dare they reject Jesus and his laws? I hear that a lot in today. No, that's not the mind and the heart of Jesus. We don't condemn a person in this life before they go to the judgment seat of God. We are not the judges of others. Yes, we need to preach the truth, but with great love, with great mercy, great compassion. Sometimes we condemn others, like James and John are doing. We condemn others, and don't give them a chance of mercy, a chance of salvation. We are quick 
to condemn. We are quick to judge others. I was thinking of, of Abby Johnson. You know who Abby Johnson is? She's a former Planned Parenthood clinic worker. And imagine the Christians who were praying outside that Planned Parenthood clinic. Imagine them condemning her for the works that she was involved in. Imagine if they just condemned her. And then when she had a turn of heart and then she came to them, think about that. They wouldn't have received her. He would have said, you evil, you're, we don't want you. But no, they had compassion in their hearts. They had mercy. They did not condemn her. They were praying for her. They were sacrificing for her every week. They were on their knees. They were praying. They were fasting for her, for her conversion. And then God revealed the truth of life to her, where she saw the truth. And then after she saw the truth, she was seeking mercy from the very people who she considered her enemies. And she went to them, and they showed her mercy, not condemnation. Sometimes we see a person as they are and not what they will be in the future. We don't know what a person will be in the future. We don't know what a sinner now can be a saint in the future. Had they condemned Mary Magdalene for her sins, she would have not been St. Mary Magdalene in the future, the one beneath the cross and, and there at the tomb and the resurrection. Sometimes we Christians condemn people so easily and we do not show mercy. And that is why Jesus rebukes James and John for wanting to show anger wrath of God. And it's funny, Jesus, he goes to Jerusalem to die for the Samaritans, to die for their sins. And yet James and John want Jesus to condemn them. And Jesus says, I did not come to the earth to condemn, but I came to save. Jesus is the Savior. He's not the one to condemn us of our sins. He comes to save first. He comes to offer mercy first. And he'll offer mercy until the very last breath of someone's life. Then there is judgment. Then there is judgment afterwards. But we are not the judge. I am not the judge of someone. Jesus has been given the title as judge. He's the one that's to judge a soul at the end of their life. Not me. What God calls us to do is to pray, to sacrifice. How much do we love our enemies? How much do we love those sinners that we condemn so easily? How much have we sacrificed for them? How much have we given our lives for them? How much have we prayed? How many chaplets of divine mercy have we prayed? Or do we forget the chapel of divine mercy because we were lazy and yet we condemn another person? Yet we're so lazy that we can't even pray one chaplet for them or ourselves. See that? Sometimes you have to look at yourself before looking at others. Where do I need conversion? Where do I need to be better? And this is what happens 
to James and John later in their life. So you see James and John now, they want wrath of God, clenching their fists. You ever see people do that today? They're clenching their fists. Don't ever do this sign. That's a bad sign. It's a communist sign. If you ever do that, this is anger. This is wrath when you do that. Don't do that. Jesus never comes like this. He comes with his hands open, with showing his wounds, opening his heart, and blessing. Not in condemnation, but in blessing. See the divine mercy image? It's a blessing. His hands are open. His wounds are open. And so James and John, they have a conversion later on. When John sees Jesus die on the cross, he understands the Lamb of God. He understands, no, I'm not to condemn a sinner. I'm to do what Jesus did. Give my life. I understand now he's the Lamb. He gives his life. He sheds his blood. And so what does John do in his gospel? He writes about the love of Jesus in his letters. He writes about love, love of God, love of neighbor. It's all love with John later on. James, he's the first apostle to give his life for the love of Jesus Christ and for the love of, of even his enemies. He's the first apostle to die for the Lord and for others. Imagine if Stephen had condemned Saul for persecuting the Christians. We wouldn't have a Paul. Stephen is stoned, and by the very stones that stone him, by the very people that are stoning him, he prays for those people. He prays for Saul. And because of his prayer and his sacrifice for Saul, Saul becomes a Paul and becomes one of the greatest Christians ever. That's what prayer and sacrifice could do, even to give in your life. Later in, in John's life, you ever hear this story? One of the fathers of the church say this. When John is an old man, John lived a very long life. And John was the only apostle that was alive who saw Jesus. And the Christians were, were saying, we, we, we want to hear from someone who actually saw Jesus who actually saw his miracles, saw his, his life, who saw him die on the cross. Because there were very few Christians around that had actually seen that. And so they, they, they wanted to hear from John the Apostle, and he was an old man at that time. And John couldn't walk, so they brought John out, almost on like a, a stretcher, to preach to the people. And the early Christians, they said, they said, John, John, you saw Jesus. You heard him speak. Can you give us a word? Give us a word of, of what we should do as, as Christians today. And give us a word of, of what you experience of, of Jesus. Give us something from Jesus. And John, when he was an old man... All he would say is, little children, love, love, love. That's all he would say. And he would say it with tears. And all the Christians were crying when they heard John and what he said. 
That's a different John at the end of his life. That's a different John than the John of the gospel. What we are right now maybe may not be what we will be in the future. You see John here in the gospel, but then hear John later in his life, and it's all about love. It's all about love. The essence of the gospel is to love. Doesn't mean that we don't have to preach the truth, but always preach the truth with love and without condemnation, without condemning your enemy. You can condemn the sin, but don't condemn the sinner. Love the sinner. Love and show great mercy. And showing great mercy will lead the sinner to the truth and lead the sinner to conversion. Love, love, love. That is the essence of the gospel of mercy. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.